This is a Pain Artistry production. We are two women in academia. Raising questions and breaking down perceptions. From a Black point of view. Welcome to the Black Gays Podcast. It's your girl, Dr. Porcher. And it's your girl, Dr. Bertrand. Dr. B, I am mad excited. What are we talking about today, girl? We are talking about Black Educators Matter. Child, you know we always putting on for the Black folks, so I hope they ready, honey. Why? You think they ready? <laughs> yes, but look, I was like this morning, I was like, I don't have a song for today, but when you said we put on for Black folks, I'm like, I put on. Hey, I put up. Hey. Listen, what is up with this season two and we always sing it? Like, we are not... I mean, I'm a rapper. Are you a rapper? You're not a rapper. I'm not a rapper. That I am a rapper. Yes, I do. I rap in the mirror like Issa Rae sometimes. Okay. So All right. Don't take my moment away. Okay. So y'all see we mad hype. Um, Dr. B, can you tell the people what we doing today? Tell them what we doing. Listen, this is our first time on season two that we are bringing guests into this space. Well, boo, they ain't guests. They are co-hosts. Or like, oh, my gosh. They are our co-hosts. Listen, but listen, I ain't a math person, so we got more than two. So does that mean they still co-host or it's just multiple? Y'all let me know. They Y'all like some mathematicians <laughs> type vibe, hidden listen. figures. I don't know. Girl, what tell what what can you tell them who the people are? Can you tell them? Oh who my they god. Are? So first, okay, I'm gonna have a little favoritism with this one, okay? Because this one is near and dear to my heart. We got the homie Nita Creekmore here. And I am so excited. I am so excited. She's an elementary instructional coach. And guess what? We used to teach together. Yes. But listen, listen, Nita is is lightweight famous, so I'm fangirling a little bit. You me too. I'm like, I know somebody famous. And- I know- Listen, girl, please do not let me show up to any bit because I'm like, I know her. They have to put me in the Listen, back. listen. She would be like, uh-uh, we don't know them. She, they're loud. <laughs> listen, listen, Dr. B, who we got next? Who, who, who in the building with us now? Now, this one. This one right here? You're talking about famous. We got Chris. No. Uh-uh. Put some respect <laughs> on his name. Put some respect. Dr. Okay. Christopher Childs. Okay, tell us what he do, though. He is. And I think this is a new position because I was on Twitter and I was like, ah, come on, promotion. But he is the chief equity and social justice officer, okay? And owns his own stuff, okay? We got Open Up Resources and the president of K Child Solutions. Come on, black man. Listen, come on. Listen, and you know, black people, we ain't, we about this life. We be, we'll create our own business in a minute. Tell us we can't do something. We gonna what? Do it. Listen. All right. Listen, y'all, today I'm so hyped, and yes, it's so was she my cousin. I am so excited to have my cousin here, Mrs. Crystal Watson, who is a math educator in Cincinnati, my hometown. Y'all know I was talking about my hometown last time. You know me. I might have a couple students from the C. I might have a couple students from the C. Listen, I am so hyped, but listen, super honored to have my cousin. She is a dope math educator, and I am just so excited that you all will get a chance to see not just my cousin, but Nita and Dr. Chow's dopeness, because today we are going to center and elevate Black educators and show you all why they matter. So, uh, Nita, Dr. Chow's, and Crystal, say what's up to the folks. What's up, hey. folks? Hello. Hey, hey, how y'all doing? Do? 
Listen, I am so hyped. So if y'all listen to our podcast, y'all know that we always got to open up with a personal story. So um, if you ain't come ready to uh, bear your soul, get ready. Okay, get ready. Um, So we want to start off by censoring you all, because one thing that I've noticed is when the pandemic first started, everyone was like, hey, how are the teachers doing? Let's check in with them. And then new school year started and everybody like, well, y'all need to do all of the things. Right. And so to start with our personal experiences today, we want to give you an opportunity to share what it feels like to be you lately. And that can be as a black educator, um, the many roles or hats that you have right now. Like, what does it feel like to be you? And gloves off, you don't have to be politically correct. And we're going to start with my cousin, Crystal. How does it feel to be you lately? Um, so y'all starting out the box punches, like, (laughs) (laughs) um, how does it feel to be me? You know, I think there's going to be some people that expect me to be like, oh, I'm, you know, it's just, I feel so oppressed. Come on. I'm a black woman and I feel free right now. Let me just say that there was a time where I said what I said was kind of what I said, right? Um, but most recently I've got some mentors under my belt that have kind of started to steer me in the right directions to really understand, like, there's a difference between quiet, like the ocean and quiet, like the cemetery. So mm. yes, I got that from, um, a professor at Columbia, shout out teacher's college, but, um, I'm trying to get more quiet, like the ocean to where I'm strategizing. So for me to be me, um, while I still feel like I'm constantly policing my tone, my activity, my thoughts, and trying not to be labeled as over-emotional or um, trying to control things I can't control, um, I feel really good being a Black woman because, I mean, we're amplified right now. We are essential Mm -hmm. out here. So for me to be me right now, I feel good while, you know, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that we are continuing to, you know, break down some barriers. So I feel good right now. You got my spirit rejoicing. I'm like, come on. I'm like, I am quiet like the ocean. Quiet like the ocean. I don't know. I'm, I'm probably raging like the ocean. But um, I love that. Send help. I love that. Send help. Because y'all know I've got to keep it 100. But that's real. Like, I think that we've been thinking about the heaviness of what it mm-hmm. what it feels like to be a black woman which you know I honor that space for some people absolutely but also like I wouldn't want to be anything else so Mm-mm. thank you so much for elevating that this morning thank you um next up Dr. Childs what is it like to be you um these days I think it feels great a lot of people a lot of things are going on right now in 2020 that make you feel unhopeful and things are rough, which they are, but also I'm seeing the opportunities that can arise for people. And when I say people, I'm talking about people, are black folks. Right now, the spotlight is on us in good ways and bad ways, but it's now how do we use this spotlight and this moment in time to change the course of history? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I wanna, I'm from the mindset of play your position, plot your promotion. Mm-hmm. And with this course correction that's hot, mm-hmm. it's happening, what are we going to do with this? A lot of people think of America like this great country. This is a young place. Mm. With it being a young place, I understand that this is literally just that moment. And how do we switch it so the next 400 years, 1,000 years, 
really benefit us going forth. Uh, I, I'm, I'm from the, I'm from, I know later in the show you're going to talk about OGs and make some connections, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm from the era of thinking about the comedic dynasties. I think about how long our people killed it during that time period and mm-hmm. really made a difference. So this little blip right now we in, it doesn't compare. We always talk about our ancestors. This doesn't compare to what, what they've overcome and what they've done. So how we are black folk going to use this period and all that's happening and not look at it just with the bad, but what if this was the way of the universe saying, look, I'm going to pause, put the spotlight back on you all where it's supposed to be. Now when you get the ball back, what you going to do with it? So my question is to us, now that we're about to get the ball back, and it's going to be a short window, let's let's understand this is chess. Mm-hmm. But we got to run the table when we get the ball back and come together and do what we're supposed to do. This is our, this our moment. So hey. right now, I feel great. It's just this what we're going to do about to be Liddy, and thank you for reminding me of the OGs. We go, we gonna rewind that back. But the thing that you said about like we have such a like I've keep saying this, but you just like dropped it in my spirit and affirmed it that we have a window right now mm-hmm. to get it right. Mm-hmm. And so I've been pushing my colleagues that lack melanin to get it right. But the reason why we created the Black Gays Podcast is because we got to get it right first, yeah. right? Yeah. And so. You just hit me over the head with the comedic dynasties, though. I hear you. I hear you out here. Listen, I'm like blown away by just the wisdom that has been dropped just by our first two intros. And we got another one. Like, I'm just amazed because one of the things I also try to think about is we have this short window. But as black people, we have to make sure that we have an agenda. So that we really take this opportunity and capitalize on this moment. And I think that that is what Dr. Childs was hitting on. That was that was everything this morning. Y'all, y'all blowing heads off. Uh, the next up, we got um, Miss, Mrs. Anita Creekmore. Can you tell us what it's like to be you lately? Tell us what's up. Oh, it's it's multifaceted. And I, and I, I hate going behind those two gems because... <laughs> I'm just going to keep it real in the life of Nita real quick. Um, So like professionally, it's been a little bit more challenging for me. I'm an instructional coach. I support teachers mm-hmm. and seeing the heaviness that teachers have right now mm. is a weight. It's like a weight on me. Um, And so because I support teachers, I advocate for them. And sometimes in my advocation um, for teachers, it can be disheartening because mm-hmm. of what teachers are being asked to do in this space. Um, so I live in Georgia and in Georgia, we don't have mandated masks. And mm. so there's some teachers that have to um, do digital learning simultaneously while they're also doing, you know, brick and mortar. So they're having both going on at the same time. Um, we have some of our educators that are face to face, like I'm face to face. And so that's a little stress. So, you know, I feel I feel the heaviness right now of educators. And so that's professionally like that's that's a little weight on me right now. Um, As a black woman, I do feel liberated. I feel like this space, um, this time in our history is revolutionary. I think that it's a space um, for us as black people to come together and to move forward together. I know at times as, you know, us as black people, there may be sometimes crabs in a barrel, but I'm not seeing that right now. I'm seeing black people coming together. I'm seeing black people moving in spaces and supporting each other. Um, In my space on Instagram, we have a community. 
I mean, we have, it's a community. And so um, we lift each other up. We, we come together. There's times when we, you know, go on Zooms and we just vent and talk about the heaviness or the celebrations or our Black joy. And so that has been really a good space for me because I do work in an area in which there are not a lot of us. And mm. so because there's not a lot of us, I often feel um, alone and isolated. Or mm. when I do push the narrative or do push it a little bit, um, I get slapped on the hand sometimes. Mm. And so that can be that can be hard. And so in that sense, um, professionally, it's been a little bit challenging. But overall, like my my family is good. We're healthy. Um, you know, as far as, you know, my kids working at home, they're all digital. Um, I get to to pour into them like I never have before. So um, it's, it's a good space. And, and I think that in this space, it's 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 not time. It's, I know people want to get back to where we were, like get back to normal. But I don't want to get back to normal. I want us to. I want us to change this game, change the narrative, and so um, that's kind of where I am right now. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love Thank you. that. I do, mm-hmm. and I and honestly, I feel so much of what you were saying when you're talking about teachers being in the classroom and. Mm-hmm. Um, it's harder in your state when there's not a mandate for masks, right? And I feel like mm-hmm. we're just putting teachers out there on the line and not really taking in consideration their health or how this virus may impact them. So I'm really glad that you called that out. But even in spite of, look at how Black mm-hmm. folks find joy, right? No, in we do. spite of, we do. still find joy. And I yes. love, love, love that. Y'all, we're going to move to our next segment because we can't even... We can't even get in this. We cannot do this without honoring the OGs, okay? And so I would like for, and I'm going to start, because this is so exciting to me to have three of y'all on here, because I don't think Black Gays has ever had three guests, or no, three co-hosts. Let me check myself at the same time. So Dr. Childs, we are going to start with you. I hope that you've listened to our show. I know you have, because our show would be popping. But <laughs> okay, it does. I know you. I know you got it in your AirPods. So who is? But you know he he loved he loved black women. So I'm sure he's listened to black gays. Of course, of course. This is the yeah. thing, though. Before you even honor your OG, Dr. Childs, is that. Um, I'm just so excited to have you here. We invite black men a lot. I don't want people to think like, oh, the black gays, black gays only have women. Um, no, we invite black men a lot. Sometimes they're not available, but I'm just so glad you answered the call. So I hope that by you coming on, more black men will make themselves available because we want to hear from you all too. And we are a collective. And I think, you know, I always say this isn't a, a oppression Olympics. Black women, we doing a daggone thing. Shout out to Kamala. But oh, I um, want that elevation for black men, too. So I'm so excited to to have you here. So sorry for uh, stepping in. But tell us who your OG is, Dr. Childs. Now, I appreciate you all for having me here. And I like how you said we're collective. I think that's one of the things that's missing in the space, period, is us being side by side in the work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the Western mindset, I know this is one initial question. I'm going to jump to my OG. The the Western mindset always like elevate the man, elevate the man. But if you look at history, not, not Come on, history, you had to preach. We were <laughs> side by side. And when you think about being side by yeah. side in the fight, when you side by side, you do stuff together as, as opposed right. to when somebody's behind you. 
And the, the reason I keep bringing up this history piece, because when we talk about the OGs and understanding where we come from, that's what they, that was we have to be grounded in. So my OG is like my, I really, I thought about this for a while. Then I was like, this is simple. My OG is my mom. Like my mom hey, retired. Come through, mom. Oh, She's a retired mom. educator. And I never thought I'd be an educator. And she never even directed me to be an educator, but it was just in my blood and what I do. And I became an educator partly because of her and just seeing her, her how she succeeded and does some amazing stuff. So I just saw a different light for educators and how it can be a, a great field and career choice. So for me, that's my OG. So, mom, mom if you're listening, what? you the OG. But well, what's your mom's name? Do you mind sharing? I, so, since we said OG, mom's going to be mad that she an OG with that term. Mama, yeah, we're just going to be mama because mama be like, what's an OG, baby? All right, what? <laughs> No, no, mama, no, no. <laughs> mama, an OG is a good thing. You're an OG, and we'll talk about it later when you call me after you hit it. I love but it. We'll say mama. We're just going to say mama. Come on, mama. Child's mama. Okay. Listen. She, she's Dr. Child's, too. So we can say Dr. Oh. Child's. Her, she's a doctor, Dr. too. So Dr. Child's. Come on, yeah. Dr. Child Square. Y'all, too. Dr. Listen. Listen, Dr. Beaver, why am I laughing? Because, you know, if you ever taught elementary kids, especially black children, they'd be like, what's your mama name? Mama. Mama. <laughs> my mama name is Mama. Like, and I remember, like, it took me a long time to learn my mother's name because my mom's like, I'm your mama. That's all you need to know. I'm your mama. And mm-hmm. so, like, people don't understand that about the black culture, that there is a level of respect that you just do not cross. And so, yeah. I don't think I learned my mother's. I was like, mom, the, the teacher is asking asking me for your name. Well, tell her to call me. Tell her to call me. She know my name. It's on my paperwork. (laughs) Listen, I cannot. Wait a minute. So let's move to uh, Crystal. Crystal, who is your OG? Okay. Well, my OG. You can have multiple. You can have two. The way you preface, okay, I thought there might be multiple, so let's let's keep it singular. (laughs) You know, I'm going to talk about just somebody, you know, I love, I love black women. I love on black women a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm always like amplifying black women, just period. I just love black women. I think that we're, we're gods. So for me, I need to honor T.T. Mary McLeod Bethune. Because guess what? Because guess what? She is the OG of Black Women Matter. You know, like she went from, okay, so let me just tell you, I thought I knew her, right? Like I thought T.T. and me are close. But when I started to think about like who my OG was and I started to look up things about her again, Honey was picking cotton pounds of it at nine years old and then turned around to found a school for Negro girls in Florida. Shout out to Florida, Dr. Child. And then I, I just feel like she the definition of got it out the mud. Like just period. That she my OG. She my OG. I love it. When you said that, all I can see is her picture and like if got it out the mud was a person, it hey. would be <laughs> Shout out to Bethune Cookman College. Bethune Cookman. No, 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 wait, time out. 
It's Bethune Cookman University. I used to work yes. there, so don't say college. Oh, say university. Oh, they gonna, me, they gonna play me on podcast. Let me elevate. Hold up. <laughs> yeah, it's hey, university. Go university. 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 It's so interesting. I'm so glad you you mentioned Bethune Cookman because when I was a high school teacher, I really I require every single one of my high school seniors to apply to HBCU. Like it wasn't negotiable because I needed them to understand that where you come from in these institutions exist so that you can even go to these white dominated spaces. But I have um, two students that um, graduated for, from Bethune Cookman and this was the first time they had ever been to Florida ever. And their parents trusted me and allowed them to yes. go there and it changed their life. One of my students is getting her master's in hospitality wow. management, staying in Florida, um, just trying to elevate. She was like, why don't we have hotels? Why don't black people own mm-hmm. resorts? And mm-hmm. so I thought that was absolutely amazing. So thank you for um, bringing up TT uh, Bethune like that. Just ooh, that just that gave me chills. Mm-hmm. I love the connection. I do. I love that. Uh, Nita, who is your OG? Okay, before I get into that, can I say something about HBCUs? Please. My, hus- my husband always says because I went to University of South Carolina. Um, we both did undergrad, but he went to Clark University and he for a masters. And he always says he got so much more out of his two years at Clark University mm-hmm. than he did in his four years at University of South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's because of the community. I think it's because they elevate you and they make you um, grow. Like your your thoughts are not closed minded. Like they open your mind to other things. And I think that's that's what it is. But yeah, I. Um, I always wish I went to an HBC. Listen, AUC I do too. AUC in the building. What's up? <laughs> Listen, I really, I have that same because you know I went for undergrad to NC State, so we were at yeah. two big, predominantly white institutions. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think that one thing that an HBC offers is it teaches you who you are. It teaches That's you right. your history, mm-hmm. the beauty of being black. And I felt like at a PWI. We didn't mm-hmm. have that opportunity. We were seeking mm-hmm. it, but with 10%, there's only but so much you can find, right? You all, and you're only a number. Like, and it's and it's really it's really hard. So yeah, I'm having my son apply to HBCUs and Come you know, on. Come on. That's, right. that's a whole other story. But go ahead. That is. Tell us who but your OG is. I have two, so I have to do a plural situation. Oh, all right, all right. Okay. I thank cannot you. believe you hold hold, hold your mute okay. meter. Hold your mute. You want me to sit here and argue with the co-host? Listen, I'm going to get you when we get off of here. Go ahead, Nita. Can I have two? Can, I mean, yes, I, I mean, if you two. must. So, <laughs> <laughs> love you, Dr. Bertrand. Um, no, but um, for I, my OG, I had my mother as well. Um, she was a four, she's been in education for 40 years. And I think I learned, yeah, 40 oh. years. She, she's, she stayed in for 40 years and she was a PE teacher. Um, and I used to be there with her, um, like Dr. Child's in the same instance I used to be there in the summer I used to be you know she used to do tutoring extra tutoring summer school and I would be right there with her and um I just think just seeing how she interacted with kids just she treated them just like she treated her own children and that's how I am as or was as an educator you know what you're not I love you but what you're not gonna do is xyz but I do love you but that's not gonna happen here you know and then just pouring into them and seeing them and just me seeing that in her you know, she's my OG. She 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 taught me what I know. She taught me how to teach. And that's my first teacher. And then I have to say my other um OG is my first black teacher in school. Wow. Um and I think that 
we need more of us in school because it was in fifth grade and now her name is Mrs. Polidor and I always talk about her in everything that I do because she was the first teacher that truly saw me. She was the mm. first teacher that truly mm. saw me. Um, and I think that it just cannot, nothing can be said about having a black, a black teacher for our black babies. Okay. Um, and so she, she definitely my OG. That hit me a little different right there because I, um, as a college professor, I sit in the classroom and I always poll my students the first week and I ask them how many people have had a black teacher. And I'm talking to a class of 30 predominantly white pre-service teachers. And usually I may get one hand, um, but for the majority of my students, I'm their first black um educator to say the least and so I think about what that means in our education system it does something to you when you see someone that looks like you right not only does it inspire you but it also provides you this opportunity to have that joy right that you can say like dang they get me and the fact that you said I think what hit me hard is that you said that she was the first teacher that saw you and they actually know what it's like to be in your shoes because they were once a black student. So I think that's deep right there. Thank you for sharing that. And I think, you know, just to put a plug in season one is like, we really go into the details and the history of what Mm -hmm. happened to black teachers in public schools um, during integration. So, you know, I get really frustrated when people are like, we need more black teachers. I'm like, but can we talk about how we kick them out? One. And two, as we try to enter them back into the profession, that white dominated space has not changed. And so they go into these spaces where there's violence, there's harm in teacher education programs. And the black students feel like they're being intentionally pushed out. And so we definitely have to think about that. And let's not even talk about the culture of schools that are Mm. then dominated by non-melanated people. Mm. Those very same thoughts that they had when they were in those um, college classrooms, they just brought them into the school space, right? And so we don't talk enough about that. And so at some point, and Dr. B, and I talk about this a lot is that I mean, I had the the joy of starting my teaching career in Prince George's County where everyone was black, right? That's right. Listen, so that experience was like a a mecca for me. It was a a different experience. But now when I think about, we talk about this a lot, like we feel like we're integrating black teachers into a burning house. Mm -hmm. Like Martin Luther King said, because most of them, they can't do the work they really want to do because as soon as they speak up, they're like, you know, pushed down, like, no, we're not doing that thing. This is what we're going to do. So we're so excited to have this conversation with you all. And we're just going to jump right into the interview question. So first up, and I'll just let let um, Nina go first since you just um, finished. Um, remember all of the reimagining that took place at the beginning of the pandemic? We were just like, yeah, we're going to change education, especially for our um, most marginalized students. And I'm thinking about Black children. So have you seen evidence of changes that ensure that Black children have an equitable opportunity to learn, being in a hybrid or virtual space? And the second part of this question, because y'all know I'm a, like, I, I love questions, Dr. B will tell y'all. Um, are you seeing Black Lives Matter in action in schools? Huh. So I, again, I will preface this by, I, you know, I'm in Georgia. Okay. <laughs> and so I'm just saying, I love, I mean, you know, my heart is in Northern Virginia. That's where I grew up. That's my heart. I still got the same phone number, everything. But, um, you know, I'll preface it with that. But I think that there had been, you know, while we were still sheltered in place, 
moves to try to make it more equitable because I think um, the spotlight was on the inequity. Like you couldn't do anything else but to see it because the spotlight was was directly on it. Um, And so I think um, where I teach, there were some moves to try to make it more equitable in the sense of trying to make sure like some some areas didn't have Wi-Fi or, you know, trying to get that out there, get some hotspots out there or, you know, some students didn't have, you know, um, the resources they needed. You know, so those types of things, um, I think, were definitely some changes were made to make things more equitable in that sense. Um, and the second question, what were you what was that question? Um, Black Lives Matter in action in schools. I think. You can be honest some, now. I don't. So let me say this. I am not allowed to wear a Black Lives Matter shirt. I heard mm. about that. In my school. Okay. <laughs> I am not allowed. But the same thing goes for the other side too. So I'm not, the people are not allowed to wear um, Blue Lives Matter or um, back the blue shirts either. We're not, it's just not, we're not allowed to do that. Okay. We get, it's more than just a slap on the hand. Um, so that's challenging for me as an educator who's very honest about the fact that um, Black Lives Matter. You know what I mean? And and all lives don't matter until Black Lives Matter. Like, I'm very honest about that. I say it in my speech. I say it in, you know, things that I do. I say it in the way that I coach. Um, so that's challenging for me. But, mm-hmm. you know, as I start thinking about that question, start thinking about that Black Lives Matter is more than a T-shirt. So I had to say it's in your action. It's in things that you are doing. Mm. So in having conversations with teachers, although it's unfortunate that we cannot wear a T-shirt or a bracelet or whatever, it's in what you do every day. Okay. It's in how you look at your standards and how you incorporate black lives in that. It's how you see your students. It's how you, so we're having conversations through that. Um, and so it's, it is unfortunate, and I can say I was disheartened by the fact that my county did not put out a statement um, when everything um, happened with, you know, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor. There were no statements put out. I was hurt by that. Um, not shocked, but hurt. Um, and so I was in a space. I was in a space where it was challenging for me um, to want to go back, to want mm-hmm. to go back into that space. I knew it was that way. Um, but I think I expected more. My husband always say, I don't know why you shocked. Like, I don't know. <laughs> why are you shocked? <laughs> and so I, it just, it's just hurtful. It's hurtful. Um, but at the same time, and, and the school in which I work is 50% black students, 50% white students. Not that that matters because black lives should matter in every space. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, in the, in the question, am I seeing it in, in the schools in which I'm in? the actual Black Lives Matter, like, you know, poster or like, like Dr. Childs is, is everything Black Lives Matter. If I had that in my classroom, oh, I would be called by the board office. Like it would be a call. It would be a phone call. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. So I would say no in some instances. And in other instances, I feel like um, some of the teachers at my school are making steps to growth. And to me, it's more, to me, it's like this. Let's have the conversation. Let's let's start there. Let's talk about it. Let's open up. Let's have the conversation. Why why are you so against X? What makes you that way? Let's get knowledgeable about what it means when we say Black Lives Matter. Mm. And I think that's um some of the some of the issues. Some of the issues mm. 
where I work. Mm. Nita, Crystal, before I have you jump in, Dr. V, you know I have to say this because we have non-melanated people that listen to our podcast all the time because they're trying to learn. And I just want to insert a quarter in the meter and park right here. A blue life is a career. It is. Thank you. A black life is an actual person, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes I have to keep reiterating that for my mm-hmm. non-melanated folks. You yep. made a choice to be a police officer. I That's didn't right. get to make a choice to be a black person. I don't you- get to take my skin off at night. I mean, if you watch uh, Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country, that's a whole other situation. But, um, yes, I don't get to take my skin off, that's right? right. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get people to understand humanity, and I feel like Black Lives Matter is about humanity, right? It it's not about careers, and I just want to put that there because I always hear that argument back and forth, you know. And I've coached in a lot of schools where there are white-dominated spaces. And I'm always having that conversation because people really think that this is a black life against police officers. That's what they think it is. And that's not what it is. And so I just wanted to, whoo, Nita, I'm going to. But you know what? Wait, let's put put two more quarters in the meter. (laughs) (laughs) I want to jump on this too. (laughs) Go ahead, Dr. Charles. Go. No, what I was going to say, you made a point at this point. People, people are willfully being ignorant to what's going on, Absolutely. and it's all about that control of the narrative. Because mm-hmm. we've said what Black Lives Matter means, we've said mm-hmm. what Blue Lives Matter means, and opposition on it, but people still are saying no is this. Mm-hmm. All right, you you willfully being ignorant to it, and you don't want to know, or you don't mm-hmm. you don't care. So at this point, going back to Nita's piece with her husband saying, um, when people show you all, who they are, believe them. Because at, at this point in the game, you know what it is, and we know yeah. what people are doing. It's literally just who want it's contr- fighting for that control of the narrative and control mm-hmm. of the space. Mm-hmm. And they don't, and people are never gonna give up power. You got to take it. So that's where we at right now. It's true. Hey. I mean, and then y- y'all know, like I had a situation. I always say a situation. I had a situation where <laughs> I, I posted um, about my son being profiled by a police officer. My son is sixteen. Um, now and I posted about that and I was called in I was called in to um to talk about that and 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 to say you know you need to take that post down that needs to be taken down oh um yeah and I had some some teachers um that were not happy about that post um and it was it was a challenging it was a challenging time when you're when you are one of the only um it's it's and again, I live where I live, and so it's it's not easy, and it's so hard for me because I grew up in Northern Virginia, and I feel like, um, you know, not that racism didn't exist there because it absolutely did. I think it was more diverse, and I feel like, um, people knew you better not type thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's it's just it's just very different. It's so but funny that you brought up. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Dr. Childs. No, I'm sorry. I don't mean to keep cutting you off. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Look, this is your interview. <laughs> but, but for real, I, I'm so happy that you raised that awareness uh, about your son because I did see that post online, right? Mm-hmm. And I do mm-hmm. know the the pushback that you received from it. And when it yeah. comes to Black Lives Matter, I feel like that is Black people, again, having to defend their humanity and why yeah. they should be valued and why they should yeah. exist on this earth. And it's yeah. coming to a point where 
like Dr. Childs was speaking of, there's a control of the narrative. So when mm-hmm. I ask you to take that post down, I'm trying to silence you and I'm yeah. trying to control that narrative. And that's done so many times by our non-melanated folks. And then they think they're doing the work or they think they're adding to, but really you're causing more harm and giving me it's more no stress. You it's don't want to acknowledge what it's is trauma. going on. Listen, it's, it's trauma. I yeah. gotta move y'all on, Doctor Childs. I promise. Write your write your answer down because I'm gonna give you an opportunity. Let I gotta let my uh, crystal enter this conversation. I can repeat. You want me to repeat the question, boo? No, I got it. Um, okay, so go ahead. I'm gonna let you go because I'm fired up. I'm 38 hot right now. Sometimes, sometimes I have to question myself on whether I give my district um, like too much shine because I feel like I am in a place that I'm allowed to be myself and that the our black and brown kids are truly valued. Um, Now, I will say, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, of course, we found, I mean, the the inequity was blaring, right? There you, it was like a a bright shining light over the the city of Cincinnati that shone on where our inequity lies. Mm -hmm. And me having, I have a fourth grade son and he goes to a predominantly white, but Cincinnati public school, and then I teach at a predominantly black and Hispanic Cincinnati public school. So I have the parent view and then also the teacher view. So it is a tension that I continue um, to, to try to navigate. But what I'll say that I am actually seeing the steps. We have, um, I, I shared this with Dr. Childs too, but we have an anti-racist um, uh, policy draft that is being worked um, with our board right now. It's actually a pretty good draft. I mean, there's there's things to do there, but um, and then we're allowed to wear what we want. We're allowed. I mean, if if you're on virtual with most teachers, people got flags behind them. Black Lives Matter. We've got these huge flags in our classrooms. Black Lives Matter. Um, because I got students with Trump. We we do not, but <laughs> um, I do have a couple of students that believe that Mr. Trump is a great person and that um, you know all of that. But anyway, I, I'm not even gonna give that any energy. Mm-mm, so um, uh uh-uh, no, we amplify black voices here. So anyway, so I guess my point is. Yes, I am seeing it and it's a step past performative, but we've got so much further to go because I also, um, as a teacher leader, I find myself in other teachers' classrooms. And I'll tell you right now, we're still on the status quo. We're still using the same tired curricula. We're still talking about miles per hour with um, seventh graders that don't drive. And like, you know what I mean? I, I mean, I'm trying to teach unit rate the other day. And one of my students says, Miss Watson, I hate this problem. And I'm like, okay, so I know you like football, baby. So let's, let's say you going to take three, two of your boys to the football game. And you say, okay, I'm going to go get the ticket so we can all sit together. And he says, okay. And I said, okay, so if you go and you, you get the tickets and you pay $345 for all three tickets, how are you going to tell your boys what they got to cash app you? Mm-hmm. And he said, I got to divide it by three, Miss Watson. I'm like, you just did unit rate. He was yes. like, culture responsive teaching. Right. <laughs> Shout out to, to my baby, Carly on. That's my baby. But anyway, so like, I just, you know, I, I it, it's little things like that that I'm not seeing across the board. Like, quit, quit trying to tell them about finding the perimeter of a farmland. They don't farm. <laughs> Yeah. Give them something that makes sense to them. Stop yeah. it. 
And if you're teaching Hispanic kids, get to know them too. Get to yeah. know them too. I'm not just talking about basketball. I'm talking about soccer fields because that's what that's what registers to them. So to me, I am seeing it from a, a holistic view. I am. And we, we have partnerships in Cincinnati Public where every single student gets free internet and every single student gets a free device. So no matter who you are, you get those two things so that you can access the education. So the access part is there, but that's step one to me. That's yeah. bare minimum. That is, that's step one. Black guys got to do more than matter. They got to excel. So let, let's yes. get that together. Let, let's let's talk right. about the pedagogical practices that we keep, you know, keep repeating. And, I, you know, Dr. Child said this um, in one of his podcasts. Um, he's in, in one of his, uh, his, his podcast episodes. He said, don't take stuff. And I think Dr. Emden said this, too. Don't take stuff that didn't work in the brick and mortar atmosphere and put it into the virtual atmosphere and think that it's going to do something different. It's not. That's insanity. Stop doing that. Mm, yeah. That's, that's what we're going to do to take that to the next step. Yeah. You know, Sorry, that was but you said something that was, no, you were not long winded because what you did is you taught people that this could be done. Right. Yeah. You even had culturally responsive ways. Come on. Shout out to Dr. Geneva Gay. <laughs> on how to make this right and so one of the things that you said that i really like is that black lives have to do more than just matter that they have to be able to what did you say strive excel Excel. and so that's part of that process and i think that's something that we leave off when we talk about Black Lives Matter is also what does that look like in the classroom? Mm-hmm. How am I elevating black students? Yes. How am I acknowledging the gifts? Thinking of the work of Dr. Goldie Muhammad, how am I cultivating mm-hmm. that genius so that they can sit in this classroom and they can excel, but then they also can do what Dr. Batina Love talks about in Freedom Dream, right? That's so there's right. a lot of there's a lot of things and components with that. I want to move us to the second question. Mm-hmm. What does freedom look like for black children in black schools or let's not even say black schools because schools and all schools ain't black because you down there in georgia uh what does freedom look like <laughs> and for, we gotta start with dr Charles because i know he got yeah up. so what does yeah. freedom hold on, look hold on, like hold on, hold on, hold on. how long we got for this question i know <laughs> our producer oh, let let me today because he gonna have to he gonna have to make it do what it do he'll be all right he'll be all right i love him i love Dr. him Charles, let's start with you what does freedom look like for black children in schools mm. so, so what is freedom i actually have a working definition of this one mm. uh, the, the space me too the space opportunity for all to think speak and act it is a responsibility of all individuals to uphold not only their liberties, but also those of their peers. Mm. Freedom is not an internal phenomenon, it is a communal communal concern. Mm. Freedom is a way of life. So mm. going back to what Crystal stated earlier, it's not just saying Black Lives Matter, it's not a poster, it's not just all those performative actions, it's a way of life in everything that's done. Mm-hmm. And not just black people, but non-melanated people, all people. It's it's literally a way of life. It's a it's a culture. It's it's everything you live and you breathe. It's the air and the oxygen around you. Mm-hmm. So how do we get that like for children, for black kids? Because I, I can tell you right now, black children are policed more than than anyone that I know. Oh, um 
and oh, especially on, in classrooms. So, Dr. Charles, I know you got so much wisdom. I want to know what that looks like in action if you got some time. I could come back to you because folks are listening. They want to know. And, I, I, you know, the reason why I brought this question up to be completely transparent, um, Dr. Bertrand and I went to a um, – like a fellowship kind of experience about two summers ago. And um, they kept asking us, what is it like to be free mm-hmm. outside of the white gaze? Mm-hmm. And we sat there and we kept saying, I don't even really know. Mm-hmm. And one of the ladies said, you know, we're so we're so busy trying to get white people on board, right? To, to get on this freedom train when we haven't even had enough space to freedom dream for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, what do we really want? And I remember Dr. Bertrand and I just kept like, we were running circles around each other because our research was all about how do we get white teachers on board to teach black students? And I'm like, but that's still centering whiteness. Mm-hmm. What does freedom look like for us? Just mm-hmm. for us. And so mm-hmm. that's why we created the Black Gaze because we're trying to figure it out. So- Dr. Charles, we could come back to you, but I want to know. I mean, I remember writing a poem. Like, I want to hear black children in classrooms laughing out loud. Because y'all know we can laugh, honey. Um, I want to see them laughing out loud. I want space for them to dance. I want to hear the beat of the drum and everybody start moving, right? I want to see people vibing out to ciphers and not people telling them, no, we don't perform like that in schools, Mm -hmm. right? I want students the opportunity to, to relate examples to their real life experiences, not in a way that says you can't speak like that. You can't dress like that you can't think like that and so um i know we don't have a space like that now i'm trying to create a space like that in my own classroom but i don't think that we've been given permission or space to really look like what it feels like to be free as a black person or as a black student in a school i I think a book everybody needs to check out is called the education of blacks in the south by Mm -hmm. dr james anderson yes I think the re- the reason that book is important, we talk about what does freedom look like. We think about back then when we first started educational systems for blacks in the U.S. And when I say we, I mean black folks. For black folks, I think it laid the blueprint. And mm-hmm. literally that black blueprint is what we have now. The only difference is now it's centered in whiteness. So I have this framework that I'm playing with. It's called the mm-hmm. circle, where we all have equal access to that center and understanding. Mm-hmm. And it looks like from a practicality stance, Thinking about what Dr. Gloria Latson Billings says, students need to be, at least become biculturally competent. Our educators do too. One of my, I'm using, and now I go to my area. My area's curriculum is we we don't have a core curriculum that decenters whiteness and really focuses on all students, mm-hmm. let alone black students. So one of the pieces that I push in is can students see themselves in the narrative and not see themselves in just the slave stories, you know, that's the go-to, but see themselves just being kids. And if we do something small as the curriculum that helps give better narratives of just who black people are, who our mm-hmm. Hispanic brothers are, who our Latinx, our Asian, and that's what we got to start with. I, I, really looking at these curriculums and just saying, we know there's some fundamentally wrong, but how do we create this circle for all our, our cultures, especially black cultures. And then that'll permeate throughout into media that it permeates out to newspapers. But first in this K-12 setting, and that's why everybody's fighting for control of it. That's where that narrative starts. And I commend Crystal what she's doing with the culturally relevant pedagogy. You're going to see a lot of that coming more now with the movement, but we, we have to own this space and really continue to push in because to, for me, and especially in the math world, I'm seeing that's where we're getting a lot of bang for our buckets, not pushing in on 
these outer forces, but pushing in on this core piece. Everybody got to learn math. All we're doing is showing you it through a culturally relevant lens. So. I love that. And you mentioned mm-hmm. Dr. James Anderson. I'm also thinking about Dr. Vanessa Siddell Walker in her mm-hmm. book, Their Highest Potential. Because yep. what she also showed us in the segregated South is in Caswell County in North Carolina, how teachers were striving, Black schools were striving. And really what happened was when we started integrating schools, that's when things began to get complicated, right? Because they took our students, but they didn't take our teachers. And so I'm so happy that you mentioned that because I do think going back and looking at what has already been written by our Black scholars would give us the Black print to what we need to do. So uh, Nita, let me pose that same question. Hold on one second. Before okay. you, that's why we talk about the OGs. But I think okay. I'm thinking about when we interviewed Baker, Dr. Baker Bell and Dr. Muhammad. And I just mm-hmm. want to lay this on you all as we as we go through. She's like, besides the indigenous people on this land, black people are the most oppressed. Right. Mm-hmm. And until we get it right with them, until we get it right with black people, we can't get it right with anybody else. And she's like, if we center black people first, everybody else will come along because even the curriculum that we have, the choices we make with our literature, all of that is anti-black, all of it. Mm-hmm. Even in some of the ways that our understanding of black people show up in the Latinx community is still anti-black. No one wants to be black. No one, right? Because they know it's the most oppressed group in this country. So we got to get it right with black people first. Mm-hmm. And I think what has happened is that black people have been lumped into this this conversation of people of color, right? Mm-hmm. We have a very distinct experience here in this country that is very different from immigration, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think we have to, and people don't want us to say this, it's okay for us to censor black people. That's okay. We mm-hmm. haven't done it. We haven't done it well. And so I think what happens, and I, people will be like, oh, people of color, I'll be like, no, I'm a black woman. My Thank experience you. is very distinct yes. and, and very Yes. And we have to look at that piece first Mm -hmm. before we just lump everybody in, because I feel like black people just keep getting like the short end of the stick because we're not thinking about their experiences intentionally. Yeah. So Nita, I'm gonna let you go. Sorry. So Nita, I want to ask you, what does freedom look like for children, um, black children in schools? Um, my mother, I had the conversation with her because she's 79. So mm-hmm. I had a conversation with her about the integration in schools and what that mm-hmm. looked like and what that felt like. And she said, the thing of it is, Nita, she said, we weren't really asking to be segregated. I mean, to be integrated. Mm-hmm. We were asking for equity, mm-hmm. access, right? And she said, I didn't even know what we didn't have until we integrated. So mm-hmm. I was like, <laughs> I didn't even understand what we didn't wow. have. And so she was talking about that and she was saying that the, the, the teachers that they had in her schools had to have a four year, had to have a degree. And she said when she went into um, integrated that not all the white teachers had to have that level of degree. And so she was talking about the disparity in that as well. And so I agree with you, like you were bringing, we, they brought black children into a space that didn't honor them, that didn't value them. Mm-hmm. And so going into freedom dreaming, and I'm thinking about my fifth grade self, I have to think back into myself as a child. Freedom dreaming for me at that point would be for me to be off my authentic self, yeah. to not have to code switch, to not have to, um, to not say things because I might stir the pot, right? 
So when I talk about living in Northern Virginia, it's so interesting because I was like, I never felt some of the things I felt in Georgia and in Northern Virginia, but I think it was because um, I was whitewashed in that, in that space. Like I felt like I was in that space where I felt like I was the one of two black children, um, not seen, not called on, not noticed, not seeing my people in the curriculum. I learned all that from home. Right. Mm -hmm. And so freedom dreaming to me is children being allowed, our black children being allowed to be their authentic selves. And it's so funny. I talked, my husband talked to my son all the time and we're like, oh my God, like, I wish I had that type of, um, just, just freedom and liberation that our student, that our children are having at this Mm -hmm. moment, like this next generation, or we better be ready for them because they come in. And so when I talk to him and I'm like, you know, and I mean, and we talked to him about wearing a do-rag, you know, on the street, you know, and going out down the street. And I'm like, Bryson, you got to take that off, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, ma, I am who I am. You know I what I mean? It. I am who I am. And I'm like, you know, as a mama, I'm like, but, you know, they're going to do this and they're going to, you know, I feel so nervous because I just know what it is. But for him, he's like, I am who I am. Mm. If they choose not to get to know me, I am who I am. And I said what I said. And so me and my husband, my husband and I talk about it all the time because we're like, dang, like the level of just liberation that he had, I wish I had at 16. Right. Mm. I wish I had that that freedom and that liberation at 16. And so that is to me just being your authentic self and allowing and and being your yourself in the sense of if I want to collaborate with my team member, if I want to do that and allow myself to laugh and joke and get loud and and have that level of just safeness being feeling safe in the space in which you are learning like that is an issue for black children for not feeling safe in the space and i'm not saying physically and i talk about this all the time your physical self yeah we treat we make sure kids are safe physically okay make sure okay we're gonna do the five drills gonna make sure y'all safe make sure nobody gets y'all i'm talking about emotionally the Mm -hmm. emotional safeness um, and so feeling that safeness to me is freedom. You hit on so many valid points when you talk about your son and just how he embraces who he is and he yeah. he walks in, you know, the freedom of it. I'm thinking about my daughter who's a teenager and she has that same kind of attitude. And one thing that I think virtual learning has done for my children, my black children, and I, I'm thinking of other children because I'm seeing them. I feel like my kids are flourishing now that they're Mm. not in the brick and mortar. I feel like they are like my oldest has read Malcolm X's autobiography. She's read some um, books by Jacqueline Woodson and Kwame Patterson. Like she's read all these different books. She's watching documentaries and I'm starting to question what was going on in the school where they did not feel that liberation? But when you at home online, yes, you are totally yes. embracing all of your black. I mean, her Afro been Same. popping. It's just Same. been a love and a black joy that has existed. Yes. Even from my elementary student who's in second grade, she still she's had that freedom too, where she's been out here, you know, reading books with people who look like her, having conversations. Like I've been leading her through these. And so I'm just wondering, like, dang, what's happening in schools where our black children don't feel the way that they can feel at home? Girl, you know what's happening in there. 
Well, I just had to pose the question. I was gonna say, you know, I was gonna say, you know. Listen, we're gonna take y'all to the last question and, and we're gonna start with Crystal and end with Dr. Childs. Um, what do you need as a black educator to be free? What do you need to be free to teach black children? So I feel like this is a heavy question. Um, mm. and I feel like I could talk about this for days, but I co-sign what Nita and um, Dr. Childs have said about just freedom for kids. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's what I need in order for me to be free wow. is for the kids to feel free. Um, because for me, I feel like I can, I am restricted in being sensitive and vulnerable with my students and my families and my colleagues because my students are. Um, so, because I'm a big proponent of, I'm not going to ask you to do something that I, I won't do myself. Mm. And I feel like that with my 12 year old student, my 12, 13, 14, 15 year old students, I teach seventh and eighth grade, but I just need, for me personally, I need people to understand that me as a black woman, what I'm bringing is exclusive. And <laughs> I'm just saying what I'm bringing into the world and into my school and into my district and in any space that I walk in. And I've learned this from black gays, from my, my sisters, black gay sisters, that I'm brilliant. And what I'm bringing in, you need to recognize, That's you need right. to recognize that what I'm bringing is brilliant. So yeah. let me, um, in the words of Minda Hart. Let me bring my chair, my folding chair, and I will unfold it and put it at the table since you don't Amen. want to give me my space. So for me, that's what I need. Um, as far as the students go, I need to speak to the non-melanated folks. And for those of you that don't know, I'm mixed. My mom is white. And so I feel like I have a little bit of a leg to stand on talking to the non-melanated folks because I say this stuff to my mom. Mm. My non-melanated educators and leaders need to stop need to stop pushing back on the discomfort that they feel mm -hmm. when students are showing up culturally. Mm -hmm. Don't be, don't be uncomfortable with the word bruh. Don't be uncomfortable with the N word that ends in the A. Don't be, I mean, there's, there's time and space for all words. I get it. But I feel like linguistic freedom is um, the one thing that students may bring up over and over again that say school feels like jail to them. Because they can't listen to their own music. They can't talk the way that they want to talk. Everybody's, what do you mean ain't? Ain't ain't a word. It is not. No, uh-uh. We're going to be saying ain't in here. Um, and then Dr. P has been in my classroom. And after a test, every time my students take a quiz or a test, we celebrate. And guess what we celebrate with? We celebrate with their music. They, If they want to hear NBA Youngboy, we turn it in on. I'll find the clean version. And they're standing up on chairs. They're walking around the room. They're dancing. And even in this situation, virtually, we still doing that. Like, we, we I'm not restricting their bodies. Be who okay. you are in your own body because white supremacy ain't going to let you. So my non-melanated folks, stop being uncomfortable with the culture of the kids that you teach and let them be who they are. That's what I need as a, as an educator and as a colleague. Dang. So pretty much you just shut it down. <laughs> wow. That's her class, and her class is dope. Like when I went in there, I was just like, wow, only to be free. I mean, I, I wanted to celebrate. I didn't do nothing, but I wanted to celebrate, but to, to know that that level of freedom, because I've coached in 20 mm -hmm. different schools and I never seen that level of freedom that I saw mm -hmm. in her classroom. Um, 
in order to be like, and I say this to my my non melanated folks a lot when they get in their feelings. I'd be like, oh, to be a white woman, you know, free in your body, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I want that for people, mm-hmm. right? I, I I want that for black people. I want that bad, you know. I want to be able to show up late and people be like, oh, that's just Keisha, not oh, that's a black person, you know. And so I know that my non melanated folks get to show up the way that they want to show up. And people don't judge them. And I want Black children and Black people to be able to do the same. Um, Dr. Childs, take us out. What do what do you need as a Black educator to be free? Um, what do our kids need? Real quick, I want to piggyback on something. Crystal, you mentioned Minda Hartz. Does she have a book out there? She does. <laughs> um, so my mentor uh, sent me this book, The Memo, and honestly changed my life. I read it, and then I also listened to it. She is off the chain, Black woman, beautiful. And let's let's amplify her real name, Jasminda, because she shortened oh, it. Because Jasminda? She oh. shortened it because folks wouldn't pronounce it or wouldn't say it all or wouldn't ask about it. So Jasminda Hart, I see you. Yes, girl. I love okay, that. Dr. Chaz, thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, the reason I did that purposely as a segue is into the question. I think in this freedom fight, we got to be a collective. And just how we put her on the table in her great book, how do we continue to do those things in the work? Because we can't do it by ourselves. I I call it the theory of the fist. If I punch you with a finger, it won't hurt. If I punch you with Mm. index finger, thumb, it won't hurt. But if I punch you with this good fist, it's going to hurt. So it's all of us coming together to punch with a fist ain't. What's unique with what I get to do now, I get to be in spaces and get a lot more freedom and latitude than others. And going back to something Nita said earlier, like while she may not be able to have this Black Lives Matter posted in her room or say it, others can. So our job is as a collective. Mm -hmm. If you can't do it, I can say it. So guess what? I'm going to say it for you. I'll say it on your behalf. That's one of the things I do when I go into any space. I say, tell me what you can't say, because guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to say it today. Because they may right. they may say something to you, but they're not they're not this that's when Dr. Childs is becomes fun because you're not gonna try Dr. Childs. So I'm gonna say <laughs> you're not gonna on try behalf Dr. Of everybody Childs. else. Yeah. Yeah. Period. But, but really when we think about uh teaching black children the freedom, I wanna give a shout out to the greatest HBCU in the world, the Florida Agriculture and Mechanical University. Florida Agriculture and Mechanical University on the highest of okay. seven hills in the beautiful town of Florida. Oh, here, which we I'm go, here we go. Here we go. No, go ahead. What? I love fam. Go. Florida Agriculture and Mechanical to outsiders, but fam, you to insiders. Oh, 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 oh. And for everybody that hasn't been to HBCU, there's always like a rivalry. We this is just something we this do. This is what we but, do. But they they know Spelman is the number one college band. How long? Oh, okay. Don't you yeah, we're university. We're university. <laughs> All right, coming back to it. But, but here's the thing. But here's what's cool about that. When we talk about freedom in this space, mm-hmm. those are type things that we could do in our space that we own. That's right. In other spaces, it is limiting. But here, that's that's the beauty of especially you all having your own podcast. Like this, this is, is the our space. We can we can that's we right. can let our hair down. But thinking about the freedom to teach black children, I I'm going to say a simplified answer and people are going to be like, that is simple, but think about it. I just need everyone to pull out the inherent excellence that's within every black kid. It's it's, it's within them. So all we're doing, when you understand that genius potential is within them, all we're doing is like literally, as Crystal pointed out, the things, how she connected with the students, understanding this genius is inherently in their bones. All we have to do with black folk 
is not even give them a piece, just open that door a little bit and let them shine and let them fly. That's mm-hmm. all we're asking our colleagues mm-hmm. to do. We're all we're asking everybody to do because okay. the original people are black folk. Yeah. So guess what? Everything, everything comes from us. Everything is within us. That DNA is running down through our, our veins and our blood. So stop being afraid of opening that door and letting these kids blossom. Yeah, that's understanding, all. understanding that's all the we culture. Do. Yes, and understanding the culture literally, and that's what I what I think a lot of our a lot of educators they get afraid because when they see that excellence come out, they don't know what to do with it. Yeah, but what you do with it, you shut up, you shut up, sit back, and let it blossom. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we got the, we got the answer. If we if we started this, trust me, we got the answer to now. Y'all just mm-hmm. gotta sit back and know we 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 got this. And start being this. threatened by our genius and the things that we bring in. I think that's the main thing. Is stop being yeah. threatened by the excellence that we bring in. You're gonna be yeah. okay. You might learn something if you sit back and relax. <laughs> yeah. Listen, when I tell you that just gave me chills and yeah. wow, 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 wow. Um, woo, okay. Mm-hmm. So now we've been we've been talking. I'm so excited. I can't wait for people yeah. to hear. Because it's it's gonna free this some right people. here is gonna free and heal. It's, it's gonna yeah. free and heal. And I thank you, Dr. Childs, for like closing that out because mm-hmm. all you gotta do is just open the door a little bit. You don't even have to open it wide. Look, don't threaten me with a good time, honey. Open that door. It's going yeah. down. Okay? I'm, so, I'm, I'm just so excited about this interview. I'm so excited yeah. about the black brilliance that has entered into this black gay space. Mm. I'm just I thank y'all. But y'all know we got like what two more segments, so we're gonna get through this. Um, the next segment that we love, and I love that Dr. Childs did this because um our next segment is called What You Reading Though. What you reading in there? This is so important because I feel like, and this is the argument, because I'm an English language arts person and now an English ed faculty, and I'm always looking at in what ways. Like every decision that we make as educators is a political one, right? Mm-hmm. And so even what we're reading and what we're putting in front of children is important. But the reason why we honor the OGs is because like Dr. Chow said, we're the original people. We've already done this. We know how to do this excellence. But if we're not accessing it, we won't know what we've done. So what are y'all reading? I'm going to start with uh, Nita. What are you reading right now? And if you ain't reading none, if you're reading papers and graying papers, that's fine too. But what are you reading right now, Nita? Oh my gosh, I'm always reading, reading, reading. My husband's like, I buy books all the time. Um, so I read a lot of different things at the same time. I'm one of those readers that, that read a lot of different things. One thing that I've been really diving into um, so I can make myself a better coach is this book by Elena Aguilar. It's called Coaching for Equity. Mm. And and this one is really good because it allowed, because my thing is it was always um, for me to be able to be impactful in the sense of just equity across the board as a coach like I know as, as a teacher but as a coach how could I help teachers to to have that space for our black and brown babies and to see them and so this book has been really good as far as professionally um so for I I, I like to read a lot of children's like you, you I do too. Books. <laughs> it just allows my brain to just relax for a little bit but I love Nick Stone um yes. I love yes. her I love her Oh, my God. I love her because I read the books and I pass it on to my kids. Like, my own kids, I'd be like, hey, read this, read this, read this. And they'd be like, I'm trying to, mom, I'm tired of reading about a black boy getting shot. Can we not, can I not do that? You know, so they they, they get over that a little bit. Um, but I just bought Dear Justice is her new book. 
Um, and so that is a, is a wonderful book. And then also Jason Reynolds just came out with um, Long Way Down, a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I love reading that um, as well. And then for myself, Jacqueline Woodson, I've been reading Red, uh, Red to the Bone. Red yes. That, yes. And that's another another good one that I've been um, diving into. So I like to read. So I read a lot of different different books at the same time. Dr. Charles, what are you reading right now? What are you reading, though? Uh, right now, I'm reading a book called uh, Crest of a Peacock by George Joseph. It's the history of mathematics through a non-European lens. Wow. And he, does, he does a good job of taking it through all different cultures and backgrounds and their contributions. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a good read. It's a simpler read. And it just helps decentralize this whole the Greek lie that they did all this stuff when literally they just stole and copied. So I'm, I'm really, I'm really enjoying the book just because it really gives a good holistic and accurate view of where everything came from. I love that Dr. Childs. And I, I'm going to actually pick that up because one thing that I'm working very intentionally on is, especially when we take a, teach about the foundations of education, how like Mary McLeod Bethune is not considered an educational theorist. Right. And so it's important for us to understand where these things really came from, who gets to decide what knowledge is and right. how to interrogate that. So I'm definitely going to add this for my math ed per- people. So thank you so much for um, sharing that. And, and Krista, what are you reading though? What you reading right now? Um, so um, I'm with Nita. I'm always reading or listening to what my son is reading. So right now he's reading The Stars Beneath Our Feet by David Barclay Moore. Um, it is an awesome read. I'm glad that he gets to read it because um, he goes to a very white school. So to be exposed to um, his culture, and then also just what goes on outside of his own neighborhood. Um, and then for me, I am rereading Culturally Responsive uh, Teaching in the Brain by Zaretta Hammond. Love that um, just because I have to do it for school right now, but um, I'm actually listening to it this time. I read it before I'm listening to it this time. So I'm really excited to um, see what I can pick up from this this virtual standpoint and how it kind of goes into like um, the virtual pedagogy that we're we're engaging in at this point too. So I love all of these books, and for our listeners, you have so many choices that you can make. We are gonna go to our next segment, y'all. This is my favorite segment. I, I see you. I see you shining. Hey. I love this segment because what this segment does is it allows us to actually shout out those who are doing the work, those who are doing it right now. We started with the honor to OGs, those who did do the work, but now we're talking about who actually we are seeing doing this work. And so we are gonna start with Dr. Childs. Who do you see today? So I want to shout out every educator that's about it, about it, that's doing the work. I'm always school about it, about it, that's doing it. But specifically, <laughs> I want to, I do want to publicly shout out uh, Dr. John Staley and the work that he's doing in the field. He he is one of the reasons I'm really deep in the social ju- teaching math for social justice. He gave me a chance and really opened my eyes to a lot of things. I've never publicly said it. But publicly, I do want to shout out and acknowledge what he's doing. A lot of it is behind the scenes, but it's, it's powerful, impactful, and practical work. And he's a giant in the field. I definitely want to give Dr. John Staley his roses. 
Shout, shout nice. out to Dr. John Staley. Thank you for that. Then you got in my spirit. Is you about it, about it? Like, <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. So, because, but listen, real quick, Dr. B, like, I don't know if y'all watched the, like, story of the No Limit, Limit Chronicles. Oh, but the way oh. that he was unbought and unbossed, Come on, Charlie, he said, I want to create my own Thing. Nobody's gonna buy me, and what? so come on, shout out to the black gays. I ain't even gonna. No, I love it. Tell I, you, listen, that thing has motivated black gays. We like we getting the black print from Master P. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, let's move to Crystal. Crystal, who do you see? Um, gosh, I have a long list of people because I've had a lot of people pouring into me these days. Okay. Um, and you know. To, to go back to um, Dr. Steely Ruiz, um, doing, you know, that whole Sankofa, making sure to, to look back and lift me while they're, li- they're climbing. Um, so I have a lot of people, but I do want to shout out one person that is really near and dear to my heart. Um, his name is the Kevin Xavier Rhodes. He is a, um, a elementary teacher in Georgia. He works for Atlanta Public Schools. Um, we did Teach for America together. He was a year above me or two years above me, whatever. But um, this man is a special education teacher, but he is so good at what he does. His principal has moved him around to teach different grades and this and that. And I'm telling you, when I say his kids feel free in their bodies and see the genius in them, even with IEPs, because you know sometimes that, that causes some of that anxiety and stigma for kids, mm-hmm. not, not, with, not with Mr. Rose. So I need I need him to feel um, seen. I see you, baby. I see you. Come on, yes. come out to Mr. Rhodes, okay? Yes. I love that, Nita. Who do you see? Um, I see it's Bonisha Tab and Naomi O'Brien. They just wrote a book. Um, it's called Unpack Your Impact, and they always mm. talk about teaching the truth in social studies, teaching the truth about. Um, Black people, Indigenous people. Um, and so they just wrote a book about that. So it's called Unpack Your Impact about the truth in social studies and making sure you're teaching kids the truth. And I see them because they've been talking about this for a long time, just about teaching our kids the truth, making sure that they know what really happened and not that watered down history. We went, They need to know the truth about where they came from. And that's even before, I'm not talking about slavery. I'm talking about Mansa Musa. I'm talking yeah. about Black Queen. Yes. I'm talking about all of that. Because, I mean, we they need to see that. And so I see them. They've been doing the work for a long time. And now they're seeing their work just really flourishing. And I love that. Um, also, Nicole Turner, she's um, she's also a coach. But she's also broadened my coaching status as far as where I look and where I can grow um, in my coaching world. And so she, her too. She's, she's, she's my coach. I always say coaches need coaches. And she's She's my coach, and she has helped me to 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 grow in areas that she doesn't even know. So yeah. that's what I'm talking about, and I'm so happy. Yeah. Give me the title of that book again: Unpacking Impact. Unpack your impact. Unpack your impact. Mm-hmm. I, I teach social studies methods, and one of the things that I always tell my students is Black history did not start in 1619. So I'm going to have right. to pick that up so that I it's can good. definitely um, yeah. tap into that. Y'all, I could talk to y'all forever, forever, yeah. ever. Yeah, but guess what? The way life is set up, we ain't going to be able to do that. But I do want people to know how to get in contact with you all. So, Dr. Childs, if people want to get in contact with you, how how can they reach you? How can they follow you? Give us that info. 
Uh, check out my website, www.christopherchilds.com, Christopher with the K. And then on all social media platforms, at drkchilds, at drkchilds. Thank you so much. And Crystal, how can they get in contact with you? How can they keep up with all your goodness? Um, Twitter underscore Crystal M as in Marie Watson. Um, Twitter's the main main thing. Keep in contact with me on Twitter and we're good to go. And, and Nita, what, what, how, how can the people follow you? Because I know you already got over 20 plus, 20,000 plus followers on Instagram. How can they follow you? They can follow me. Love Teach Bless on, um, on Instagram, Twitter, um, and Facebook. Um, so, yeah. And I call them my friends. I don't like to call people my followers. I say that you're my oh, friends. Oh, I love that. <laughs> kinda, I don't, I don't, really, truly, y'all, like, I don't look at it like, um, like, it has grown, but I don't, I don't even look at it like that. Like, I, like, people it inbox me, I inbox them back. Like, y'all, I'm a part, I'm a part, just like everybody else. I'm Aww. just in this game, like everybody else. We, we're a community. We're in community together. I love that. Oh, Listen. Listen. Well, we know y'all want to stay with us all day. And we do. We love y'all too. Um, but make sure that you follow Black Gays Podcast on um, Instagram at Black Gays Podcast, YouTube Black Gays Podcast, Facebook Black Gays Podcast. And where can they follow us on Twitter? They can follow us at Black Gays Pod, P-O-D. And I also want to add something because now we have Black Gays merchandise okay? okay and so i need you all to who are listening if you don't have your black gays merchandise we talking t-shirts sweatshirts mugs uh stickers for your laptops we need you to get face masks we need you to get all of that all of that okay, okay. so with that please follow our sites because on fridays we highlight our website but it is black dot threadless Dot com. So you go ahead and hit us up for all of your black gays merch so you could be looking all fly. Okay. Oh, Listen, make sure you all subscribe and leave us a rating. Let us know, you know, give us all five. So we'll come for you. No, we won't. Um, well, but, um, we're sending the goons. Listen, stop. We can't send the goons. Okay. Um, so <laughs> you all, we only ask one thing uh, when we about to close out is you have to tell us who you are. So make sure that you get your get, get your swag ready. All right. So they know who you are when we ride up out of here. So it's your girl, Dr. Porcher. And it's your girl, Dr. Bertrand. It's your girl, C.M. Watson. It's your girl, Nita Creekmore. And it's your boy, Dr. Christopher J. Childs, your favorite teacher, favorite teacher. And we out. This is a pain artistry production.